Hi, I'm Dr. Whitney Hauser of Dry Eye Coach Podcast, and today I'm welcoming Dr. Doug DeVries, Managing Partner of Eye Care Associates of Nevada. Welcome, Doug. How are you today? I'm doing very well. It's uh, nice to be with you, Dr. Hauser. Yeah, thanks for joining us. So what we're going to be discussing is implementing intense pulse light or IPL technology in the optometry practice. And I think this is sort of a, a very timely topic and a very hot topic. Um, I feel like I'm seeing a bit of a surge in optometry and and the interest of optometrists in terms of IPL. What's your experience been, Doug? I I think it's absolutely an exciting topic for optometry and the manipulation of non-coherent light in doing a mechanical procedure that gets at the the root of a disease process. Uh, I'm seeing the same thing. I'm seeing an upswing. I find in lectures uh, that it's one of the uh, the areas and the topics that has the most interest right now. So yeah, I completely agree. I think it's a uh, I think it's a great uh, great procedure. I think it's uh, tailor made for optometry. Right. So I guess the first question, which should just be a natural first question, is how did you first get interested in using IPL for dry disease and for MGD? Well, the the way I first got interested was just, you know, learning about some of the research that had been done and how it uh, its mechanism of action was believed to be on the photocoagulation of, of the vessels that were causing the ocular uh ocular rosacea. And, uh, you know, as I began to explore that, I'm, I'm looking for areas that I can expand within the dedicated dry eye practice of mechanical procedures. I mean, we're, we're certainly interested in doing therapeutics and as much as we can with the drugs. Uh, but I have a particular interest in doing something uh, that, again, will address the, the root cause of the inflammation that's causing some of the obstruction. So I think that's what interests me is, uh, you know, that initial research that was that I'd heard about and said, you know, this is something that we could really do within uh, within optometry and within my clinic. Right. You know, that initial research, you know, there honestly, there wasn't a lot of it. I think a lot of it was anecdotal, anecdotal, and I think it was clinical experience. But as the years have gone on, I think you're right. I think we're seeing more robust um, research that's been performed. And I think that's really validating it in the minds of, of optometrists as we are hearing in lectures and things along those lines. So was it a long journey for you from learning about it to actually starting to offer it in your practice? No, and it wasn't uh, that long of a journey because of uh, of really, and you're exactly right, talking to individuals, including yourself, that had actually implemented in clinical practice. Uh, and what really, really solidified it at that point was having a demonstration uh, within the practice and really finding out, uh, you know, what it was going to be like in terms of space, what it was going to be like in terms of actually integrating it into a dialogue with the patient. So it, it, it really wasn't a very long. I'd say it was probably a, uh, oh, probably a four to six month process uh, before right. initially learning, before I adopted and actually had it in the practice. You know, I have a unique perspective probably on IPL relative to most people in optometry and ophthalmology, having been at the practice where this really first got got some traction many years ago, and that was maybe as many as 15 years ago or so. So, you know, my my journey is a little bit different than most other people's, but I think it's interesting. I think what you said about having the 
the in-office demonstration gives you a unique opportunity to see, you know, how it works, how you can imagine that flow in your office. And I think talking, for me, talking to other doctors is really helpful, too. I think a lot of doctors think, well, I may not have the patient base for this or something along those lines. And I think it really kind of gives you a new perspective when you talk to other doctors who are already using it. And I know you're a useful resource in that regard. And it really was collaboration with you having that experience initially in the practice that really, uh, really launched it. And then, you know, not only you experiencing that, but then, you know, bringing it into your practice as soon as you could. So right. uh, that all means a lot to me when you're working with colleagues that you that you trust and know really is right. doing what's best for the patient. Right. Oh, I appreciate that, certainly. So how are you able to gain some experience with IPL? It, would that be the, the onboarding once you purchased, or how did you really get your feet wet? Well, yes, uh, uh, part of that. I mean, I, I initially... Uh, really wanted to have my foundation of what I what I was going to dialogue and discuss with patients and I think that's really important for somebody beginning is to uh you know decide how they're going to position and how they're going to actually discuss that with patients and I did that before we ever had the in service so I had a lot of patients that were ready to go on that particular day there was probably 10 12 patients that first day while I was under the supervision uh, of the mentor that I could I could start uh, working on those patients and then uh, had many more patients because I talked to so many of them about it, I really found a, a, an acceptance to it. And so I was able to really come out of the gates and not just do one or two with the mentor uh, and then have a long gap and get, I really was able to hit the ground running. And after that training and having that comfort level with the mentor, then I started in just the next day and the, the following weeks with a, a tremendous amount. And I do believe that there is some, uh, uh, there is that art within the science in utilizing IPL, that that experience and that rapid experience really helps get your comfort level. Yeah, and you know, I think you really hit the nail on the head when you said, I got my dialogue together. Because I firmly believe anyone can buy a piece of equipment. It's the implementation afterwards and having thought through how you're going to present this to, to whom you're going to present it, how you're going to say it, what's your staff's involvement in it is incredibly important and often overlooked with people. I mean, doctors get really excited about new equipment. You go to any meeting, you go to the exhibit hall floor and you see something new and shiny and you want to, you can see it in your office. You know, it's just like when I go to a car lot, I can get really excited about the new cars. Um, but to actually take it home with you and get your staff excited, your practice manager excited to get your, you know, your patients lined up and persuade them. And I don't mean that from a marketing perspective, but just to an educational perspective to get your patients to understand the why and why it's important for them to, to have a procedure is so critical to success. So I think you, you really, you really hit a piece that's often missed. For a lot of folks and, and staff staff acceptance and knowing that you believe in this technology i think is very important and they i, I hear my staff now after two and a half years of implementation where they just verbalize the exact same thing that I do to the patient. And they know I believe in it. They know that I'm, uh, I'm right. going to present this with these if they look at charts. So they're very, very consistent with that message. And I do agree. I think that's very, very important. Right. 
So how did you wind up choosing your system, your IPL system? Well, uh, actually, what I looked for in an IPL system uh, was the sophistication of, uh, you know, having uh, algorithms, having presets, but most importantly, I was looking for uh, for safety. And that's why I, I chose the system that I did, which is the uh, Luminous uh, Optima M22. Uh, in looking at the data, it's very consistent energy pulses because the last thing we want to do in optometric care is do some damage to a patient. So I think you have to have a delivery system uh, that is going to be very consistent, very controlled, and is initiated from an algorithm. Now, it's not that you can't modify that algorithm, but as that starting point, I believe that conservative is, is very, very good. As a matter of fact, I have several uh, female dermatologists that receive IPL treatment from me. They don't have uh, the equipment of their own, but they tell me the reason that they, they have the the treatment from me is because of the type of equipment and the fact that I'm conservative in the way I ramp up the treatment. So that, that right. really, safety was a huge, huge issue for me. Yeah, I have to agree. I've also had experience with the M22. I've had experience with the, a Dermamed product as well, just to be a little bit fair and balanced there. But, you know, it's you can always come back and do more is the way I look at it. And you can't always come back and do less. Um, but I think having a tactic like you do with conservative treatment, it serves the patient well. You get your bearings on how you want to perform the treatment, what works best for you and your patient base. And then you can kind of, you know, expand from there until you get into a comfort zone. And I think that, I think that that's the absolute best way to approach it. I think it's always the safest way. And as you said, in terms of optometry, you know, we want to do the the best thing that's that's available for our patients. So logistically, and it's very interesting. No, go ahead. Both of these both of these dermatologists have told me of multiple instances of of different types of IPLs being used by in primary care practices and in other cosmetic practices where they've had to subsequently treat burns and bad yeah. burns because of individuals. So safety is was the number one. Number one issue for me, and uh, and the controlled, conservative algorithms that they have in their uh, their instrument was was really important to me. Right, you know, and we use consent forms uh, for our patients who do intense pulse light. We also do it for some of our patients who do punctual plugs, thermal treatments, things along those lines. And I think consent is important to have documented in the chart, but. We also want to make sure that, you know, your patient selection is good. When you hear about adverse events, particularly with, with IPL, certainly the the consistency of the system is foremost for safety, but secondarily is just making sure you have good patient selection. Your patients aren't on uh, medications. They're going to be blood thinners, things like that, but are sensitive medicines. But the list is fairly short uh, and easily kind of accessible to doctors so you can kind of mark that off. Um, but I think that a lot of those things are, are beneficial in terms of making sure that your patients have a good and safe outcome and a predictable one as well. Absolutely. And so, if there's any question whatsoever, I uh, on let's say it's a skin type that is a that is a four yeah. or a borderline four or five. I'll always it's so easy to do a test spot. I mean, you just right. run somebody in and do a test spot. So real easy to do that. How long do you usually wait after you do the test spot? 
what I will do, I, I won't just treat immediately after that since they're in. They're, uh, I'm talking right. to them about the procedure, which I'm going to reschedule them for. Uh, right, what I'll right. do is, I, I yeah, I will do the test spot. Then I'll say, okay, in, in a lot of cases, what I want to see is, you know, how they felt, how they reacted. So my staff mm-hmm. will call and find out if they have any reaction. Yeah. Uh, but that usually yeah. is about a week. Yeah, I'm often asked, so do you do the test spot and then immediately do the treatment? And I'm thinking, well, it's probably not going to be a very effective test spot, nope. honestly. But no. yeah, so uh, so it's a common a common question that kind of follows along. So logistically, when we introduce a new procedure, we need to think about the physical space and location. We talked a little bit about staffing already. Um, so were you able to have that in place already? Was was there any roadblocks just from a physical perspective that you encountered? I mean, my M22, you know, it's, it's a pretty decent sized unit. So is there any roadblocks or, or barriers that you found in terms of that? Well, in my practice, I was pretty lucky in that I already had a procedure room that I had the thermal pulsation in. And that right. was a room that I was able to slide that in. And actually, it, it dovetails in. Uh, very well because I've told people, you know, the patients we're going to do, we're going to do at least, you know, four to five of these uh, of these IPL treatments, and then we're going to do thermal pulsation. And having the equipment in the same room worked out really well. So during those four sessions, they're looking at the the uh, thermal pulsation unit at the same time. So I set right. the chair and the thermal pulsation, the trays, everything up just in a really small uh, consultation room. I don't even don't use the full exam room at all. So in my yeah. Practice, there weren't there were not any roadblocks at all. We had the same sort of setup was thermal pulsation and IPL in the same room. And you're right, it does sort of open a conversation because they're in there more than one time and well what is this and what is that and you know, that kind of thing. They just naturally feed questions. The other thing that I found uh from a little bit of a portability perspective was that, you know, the M22 I was using had uh, casters on the bottom so I could pull it from room to room as needed. I didn't do that very often, but there were occasional uh, opportunities where I had to move it, and it wasn't too bad from that perspective. Yeah, and if, so, I, uh, if I did not have that treatment room, I would yeah. probably just put it behind the stand in an exam room, again, to generate right. conversation. It would be so easy just to move it that few feet for treatment. Yeah, no, I think you're exactly right. Just kind of roll it to the side, and you're good to go. So can you offer any advice for training staff about IPL and how to utilize your staff, you know, around the procedure? We talked about, or I talked about, doctors get excited. They go buy things. Then they bring it back home, if you will. And then they look at their staff and have an expectation that that staff's going to be able to now help them navigate the waters. What, what advice would you give? Do IPL on every one of your staff members that is a candidate to begin yep. with. And, and familiarize them with what it's like to go through the procedure. And then I would say the next most important thing about the uh, the staff training is to really make them very aware. You talked about, you know, the short list of medications, some of the contraindications that might is get to the point where those are memory items for those for those staff members that are dealing with patients so that you have multiple touches where you're asking and just making sure that those things have been complied with that the patient knows not to come in with sunscreen that they're going to be completely free uh, of any type of oils or makeup on their face that they haven't been taking these medications and i think really training the staff so that everybody's aware of that just makes my life a whole lot easier that I'm not going to, uh, you know, 
treat a patient that is going to be uh, that is going to be photosensitive. Uh, and, but I think doing the IPL gets them very enthused about that, and they just tell staff, "Oh, they tell patients it's nothing. It really is quite easy to go through this pr- procedure." So, and, and yeah, we do pers- it in repeat personal on, perspective. On yeah, yeah, personal absolutely. perspective. Really, it, it's a it's it's a great reinforcement, really, uh, of the of the device to the patient if the if the staff has been willing to participate. You know, it's funny you should say that about coming in without makeup and and things like that. And uh, not too long ago, I had a patient, and she had a lot of lid telangiectasias, and I suggested to her she fell within the appropriate, you know treatment protocols for the for the for the IPL and said, you know, let's go ahead and, and do an IPL series and see how you do after that. I think I predict it's gonna be beneficial to you. And she said, sure, let's do that. And I said, well we can actually do our first treatment that day is what she wanted to do. And I said, well you'll have to remove any makeup that you have on and and she said that's fine that's fine. And I gave her some makeup remover wipes and she removed the makeup and my back was to her when she did this and I turned around, I almost didn't recognize the woman. And I don't mean from an eye makeup perspective, like all of us, you know, ladies who use makeup face, you know, a different person in the mirror and at night versus the one in the morning, but her skin, she had so much rosacea that she had masked by cosmetics and foundation products that I ha- I mean, as a doctor, you know, you're looking at her and thinking she's got a pretty uniform face, you know, in terms of her skin tone. And then why does she have all these telangiectasias with the lid margin? She was a different human without the makeup on. So, you know, as I tell people, as you're looking at your patients and you see all that telangiectasias, you know, beware that that may be, there may be more that lies beneath, which is sort of the, like you said earlier, the root of, of IPL and the mechanism of action there. Right. And uh, it's, it's so true. And the other, I mean, not only we see a lot of rosacea, uh, but I am just shocked when I, I see the sunspots and age spots on uh, on individuals once they've taken their makeup off. And, right. uh, you know, at that point, you know, okay, well, you're also going to be treating that, you know, as you right. go through your treatment, you're going to be affecting that. So it kind of modifies your uh, your algorithm a little bit yeah. as uh, as you're looking at that. Don't don't you have a particular way you phrase that to patients when you're positioning IPL to them? Is there something that you say? Yes, yes, I do. And uh, what I say is uh, initially that there's a mechanical treatment that has been used for years and years in dermatology to treat cosmetically, to treat tighten up uh, fine collagen, to treat rosacea, to treat uh, sunspots. I never call them age spots. I always call them sunspots. Uh, <laughs> Well, you live in Nevada, so <laughs> yeah, yeah there's plenty of sun. <laughs> and, plenty uh, of sun. So I tell them that that uh, you know during this uh, these cosmetic treatments, it was discovered that uh, serendipitously that uh, the meibomian glands and that uh, a, a component of evaporative dry eye was improving, and thus the patient's dry eye was improving, and that we are using it therapeutically, but we get the the cosmetic side effect. Whereas they got right. the therapeutic as a side effect, we're getting a cosmetic side effect uh, looking for a therapeutic treatment. And yeah, right. if, and so immediately uh, patients will say, oh, really? So if you're treating this, will you be able to take care of these spots here? Will you be able to take care of that? So, well, quite often that'll be one of the side effects. Yeah, so a, I, side I effect, a positive side effect. You know, yeah. that it's always something that's nice. So we don't, we only usually hear about the negative side effects of different treatments. 
Right. So positive side effects sounds pretty good. So That's when usually when started, the patient actually says they wanted to sign up for the treatment. Right, right, right. <laughs> That's when you've gone over yeah. those side effects. It's hard to, yeah. it's hard to, uh, hard to object to that. So when you started offering IPL, uh, did you immediately have a pipeline of internal patients? You talked about your 10 to 12 the first day when you had the, the mentor come in. Um, did you have that group already sitting in your practice, or were you relying on outside referrals or a combination of the two? Uh, no, absolutely. They were internal patients. And uh, two and a half years later, that supply has not uh, decreased at all. I mean, I still do 10 to 12 IPL or 10 to 14, depending on the how many days I'm in clinic, uh, of IPL a week. So yeah. there's an abundant abundance of patients within the practice. Now, I do get some referrals uh, from the outside, mm -hmm. uh, but not a whole lot. Uh, most of them are just uh, internal patients or patients that have been referred in general for dry eye that then turn to IPL patients as well. And, you know, that's been, been my experience, too. And as I consult with practices about uh, intense pulse light and, and, frankly, any of these premium services that are offered, particularly in the dry eye, a lot of folks want to buy something and then figure out how to pull in external referrals. Honestly, it's like the second page in their playbook. And as I think most practices know in their heart of hearts, it always costs more to get a new patient than it does to just, you know, utilize and service the patients that you already have. So I have to agree in my personal experience as well as my external consulting experience, using and working with the patients that are sitting there in your practice who have that unmet need, and now you have this new uh, opportunity to present to them, you know, it, it's it's far easier and probably a lot more beneficial for the practice. I think a lot of people spin their wheels, you know, and never get the return on investment of trying to court other doctors or external yeah. markets. Uh, and I think what you said is spot on. Yeah, it's just it's internally they're there. You just have to look for them. And and the the patient doesn't have to have facial rosacea as long as they have ocular rosacea. That patient's going to benefit from IPL. So I'm not looking for patients because I think you mentioned it uh, very very well. Is most of the time you can't tell it's covered up on your female right. patient. You just can't tell right. if they have rosacea. And I would say if there's any referral. Uh, the majority of my referrals that I get uh, are for specifically for IPL are actually from those two female uh, dermatologists that I treat, and they send me a ton of new patients right. because they know that I'm going to conservatively uh, treat somebody. So they, they'll mention because they don't do the treatment. So they'll mention and give a referral to the practice. Right, right. So we talked already a little bit about how receptive your patients have been. I think they've been very receptive to the idea of intense pulse light. But how have they liked the outcome? You know, has it has it been has it been a positive experience for a lot of your patients? Oh yeah, you know, I I keep meaning to do a satisfaction uh, of the uh, of the IPL, but it's so high, and I know it's high because those people come back and they actually right. self refer in. To have more IPL as their eyes start to feel a little bit uh, where they uh, getting returning symptoms. Uh, honestly, I think a lot of it is they they kind of base it cosmetically too. When they feel they need a little bit of collagen touch up and their eyes are doing it, I'll tell them, hey, it's always going to benefit your eyes uh, to right. do another session. But they they refer and so it, it's extremely uh, high patient satisfaction. And I have I have some patients that this that has become their 
primary uh, primary mechanical procedure that they go to because they get that relief. And and typically somewhere about mm, two to three weeks after the second treatment is where most of my patients start to notice the uh, the difference in, in how they feel. Yeah. Well, and I'm glad you mentioned that because I think, uh, you know, it has to be positioned that way. That patient needs to know when to expect that first element of treatment uh, relief because typically it's not going to be after the first one and you start paying for things out of pocket. You have to have those expectations in line or are you going to have an unhappy, dissatisfied patient? And a little bit, they're going to shake the confidence of the provider as well. So I think that's a great pearl to take away. Yeah, and I, I agree. I tell them, I, I tell the patient that really to expect, uh, you know, some symptomatic relief that they may start feeling initial improvements because it's going to take a while as we as we photocoagulate those vessels. That sometime, you know, around the third treatment. So it mm-hmm. can be a little bit after the third treatment, or it can be right before the third treatment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we've talked about the clinical benefits of of intense pulse light from a revenue perspective. Um, how's the addition of IPL affected your practice? Very positively. It is, uh, initially, I thought it was going to cannibalize the thermal pulsation in the practice, but the way right. I've positioned, the way I've positioned the, uh, the mechanical procedure of the, of the intense pulse light is we're first going to remove some of the sources of inflammation by photocoagulating those vessels, and then we're going to remove the obstruction. So I put that as a one-two procedure, first the IPL for four sessions, and then the thermal pulsation, and it actually doubled the amount of thermal pulsation because patients right. were willing to move forward with it. So I have never had a major piece of equipment pay for it this fast. And when I say fast, it was like within four months, uh, the equipment had paid for itself. And I think yeah. that's because of no click fees, very little disposables, uh, you know, that you're using to treat it. But it, it has been an amazing, uh, really an amazing revenue source for the practice. Right, right. So... Speaking now to colleagues in optometry who might be considering uh, intense pulse light in their practice, a couple things. Number one, what would you want them to know? And then a follow-up to that is how can they get the information that they're going to need to make the decision? So, again, what would you first want them to know? I, I think the first thing I'd want them to know is that this is not a laser that is non-coherent light. So it's no different than what they're doing in their exam room, which is manipulation of non-coherent light. Not a laser. There is more of a laser in the OCT that somebody uses and the laser anthropometry <laughs> on that. Uh, right. It really is not, right. a, not a laser. And some people are under the impression well, uh, that it's very safe. I think that that's the very, not a laser, very, very common safe. misconception, very common mis- misconception that it's a laser. So that's a oh, great yeah. piece. Yeah, so I think, that uh, I that, think that's it, probably the most important thing they need to know. Yeah, and then how would you suggest they get more information in order to make a decision about this for their practice? Uh, you know, I think they need, I mean, right now it, uh, there's there's uh, dinner meetings being held. There's a continuing education that's being held on that. Take advantage of that. Uh, everybody that I've heard giving these lectures is actually utilizing it and is not talking right. theoretical. They're talking practical. So I think that's where you get information. And then as you talk to other colleagues, and then I would say if you decide, if someone, if a doctor decides to pull the trigger on this, I think one of the most valuable uh, assets that there can be is 
and uh, you know, uh, you know, companies like Luminous offer this is that once they have it and they've been trained on it, then bring in an optometrist that is utilizing and has made it work in their practice. They can give them those pearls with the patient and working with them to really get the flow going. Uh, and I think that implementation is kind of like start out initially, do a lot of patients, but then, you know, get that, that extra little mentoring, not from somebody just that is teaching the, uh, uh, the IPL, uh, but has experience in really building the successful practice and let them, uh, you know, dialogue a little bit with patients and see interaction with patients and, uh, or, or shattering. I'm sure people have come in and shadowed you on that and they, they walk away with a lot of information on how to actually dialogue with a patient. I, I couldn't agree with you more. And I think, you know, it's one thing to to talk to folks, and I think there is value in that initially to talk to other users and to go to lectures absolutely to get the foundational information that you need. But as you said, having someone in your office, you know, is an entirely different animal. I think the value of that, you know, cannot be undersold because they see who your staff is, they see the flow, uh, they see, you know, the the patient base, how you're already educating on different. Uh, pieces of equipment because a lot of times this is not their first piece of equipment that they're adding into their office that's you know um, an elective if you will procedure and I think I think you absolutely nailed it I think having people like that uh, come in and give perspective is a really unique opportunity because you know it's one thing to have somebody counsel you over the phone but to really be in your office is is excellent because inevitably, any time a doctor brings in a new piece of equipment into a practice, the first thing the staff does when you're not looking is they roll their eyes and say, oh, no, <laughs> another yeah, thing to true. have to do. It's true. Exactly. <laughs> and, it's another responsibility, another thing to have to talk to the patient about. Absolutely. It's a, it's yeah. a burden, not a blessing. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Absolutely. And, and also, I think along those lines, uh, you know, I'll really encourage practices to have, uh, you know, a, a dry eye coordinator that, that spearheads and takes ownership. Uh, and I think that's always so much more important when you have a staff member that's helping drive and they really want to get involved. They want to take ownership of this and uh, they'll, they'll really move it uh, quite well for you. Yeah, passion. Passion's important. It's important for the doctor yep. and the staff as well. Well, uh, Dr. DeVries, thank you so much for joining us today. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Right. It was a great, uh, great discussion. Thank you. So we welcome you to join us again for the Dry Eye Coach podcast series. We'll be adding new uh, audio very shortly to iTunes, so tune in for us. Thanks so much. Bye-bye.